Hello everyone, welcome to the MRKH podcast. Our full intro has its very own episode, so please do go check it out. For now, a little hello. I'm Ella May from Vava Womb, and this is Mind Over MRKH, a podcast for and by the people with Mayer Rokotansky Kusterhauser Syndrome. You can support the podcast and the work we do directly by heading to mindovermrkh.org. This podcast is receiving a regular sponsorship to keep us going strong from our wonderful friends and UK charity MRKH Connect. We hope you find some comfort in joining our stigma-free MRKH chats with some true MRKH warriors around the globe. You are not alone. Next on the podcast is Anri. Anri is 23 years old from South Africa and was diagnosed with MRKH in 2018. She's the founder of MRKH South Africa and co-founder of MRKH Partners. She's currently in her last year of her legal studies while running the MRKH South Africa page. She's a coffee addict and her favourite show is Friends. Can't wait to chat to you, Anri. We've got Anri on the podcast. <laughs> Hello, Anri. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks, and you? I'm all right, thank you. Can I just say I've only just met Anri on for the first time <laughs> on Zoom, and she's just made me smile nonstop. <laughs> no, it is so cool. Like we just have the same energy. I love that. <laughs> so much MRKH energy. Um, Anri, are you right to just introduce yourself for anyone that's listening? Yeah, that's sure. Right? Okay, so hi everyone. My name is Anri. Um, I am from South Africa. I am currently 23 years old and I am the founder of MRKH South Africa um, and as well as the MRKH South Af- or MRKH Partners um, co-founder. But yeah, like I had a hectic MRKH journey. Um, I was diagnosed in 2018 and yeah, it's, I had like, I have type 2 MRKH. So that's obviously when you... Um, are born without a vagina or a uterus obviously <laughs> um, and then also like my one kid I have a top of kidney on my right side so oh, okay. yeah it's actually insane like we didn't know um, I was like I got told I had a top of kidney like month, like years before that but we didn't really think about anything like that until obviously you know your period doesn't happen and you start to become intimate with the person and mm. you know so then you know something's not right and then yeah that's not how I went from my initial checkup and then yeah, they just checked everything out and yeah, they said to me I had the MRKH. After four doctors, seeing four doctors, or three doctors, sorry, three doctors, was, after seeing three doctors. I was going to um, ask about your like journey from being diagnosed. So how how was the kind of medical support where you are? How, how was that for you? Well, our medical system, like, I mean, with medical aid, it's perfectly fine. Um, but doctors don't really know what MRKH is. So, mm. I mean, I was told by the first gynecologist I was told um like you have this right horn that she, like she she couldn't she couldn't do an exam um but you have like this right horn that she could see and that was all I got from her and she said your parents because my parents don't live in the country mm-hmm. um my parents need to come down to do genetic testing and I was just very confused like I did not know what was happening and then I went to another gynecologist and he also was just not like he just said, I don't know, we have to go for MRI scans. And I was like, okay. Then I went to another, then my mom messaged, she phoned, she actually phoned me and she's like, something is not feeling right. Like her motherly instinct just kicked in. And she's like, I need you to go see the doctor that was my gynecologist when you were born. And I was like, okay, cool. He's only an hour from where I study. So yeah, he literally wasn't even, it wasn't even 10 minutes. And he's like, you've got MRKH syndrome. And naturally I'm like, what? Like, I don't know what that is. And then obviously, because I did do an MRI scan previously and they just sent over the files to him. And he instantly, he wasn't, like I said, it wasn't even like five, 10 minutes. He instantly was like, you've got MRKH syndrome. So me as a 20 year old, like, I mean, 19, 19 year old, I was like, whoa, like what? is this I don't have never heard of it I mean you don't t- you don't talk about stuff like that in this country like we don't we don't sexuality and I was like we don't we don't talk about that so to me it was a big shock like my whole family was shocked and so yeah it was very difficult I mean I had to get to yeah I was gonna say do you think it's a lot more stigmatized in South Africa 
definitely like yeah. you don't I mean people I mean so I went to the I went I was in the emergency room um the one time because I had like a Bartholinian cyst but it was very like sorry it's just so much information but it was literally no go um, for it we love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it was very bad and then I went into the emergency room at like one o'clock in the morning because I couldn't walk like it was just too painful oh, okay. and I said and this is when this was before I had my surgery um before they like did the whole neo-vagina surgery and everything mm-hmm. and so I, I said to the nurse like listen there's something not right I don't know what it is I don't know then obviously afterwards I found out but she's like and I said to her I have MRK syndrome and she said to me she's like something like that doesn't exist you're lying and I was oh. like so shocked she said to me don't make up stuff like that I said to her, literally Google MRKH syndrome, and that is what I have. And then she had to phone the doctor that diagnosed me, or the, the that gynecologist, the emergency room gynecologist, yeah. or the person there. He had to like literally phone the doctor that diagnosed me to confirm what MRKH was. And it just came to me like such a big shock because I had no idea that they didn't like doctors didn't even know what it was. And I mean, we yeah. have a very good medical system in South Africa. Like it's not a bad system. It's just shocking that, you know, they don't that gynecologists don't know what it is. And yeah, so it came as a huge shock to me, to be honest. Like it was quite shocking that they you know that they didn't know they didn't know yeah um, but it probably made you feel even more kind of isolated because you're thinking if they yeah. don't know no one's going to know about this so how, how did you cope on those first few days of finding out how did teenage Anri? I know that wasn't that long ago so just, <laughs> just a shout out to you for all the advocacy you've, that you've done in like a few years oh, I just think it's incredible you. um so yeah how, how can you tell us a bit about how teenage Anri felt at that moment of diagnosis and how you coped sure with it? I was I was a wreck like I'm not gonna lie I I never I never became depressed because I had such a good family and friend support system like my my close family my mom obviously her not being in the country and my dad obviously not they're both not being in the country they it was very difficult like the 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 support was there with my sisters because we all studied together and at the same university we lived together so I had I had my support system Mm. but it just also felt so isolating like no one really knew what like they were like they would show sympathy and I appreciate that sympathy but they don't really it's like in the back of my head people don't really know what I'm going through so Mm. I was very I was very sad and I was very angry and um so yeah, my, my whole, like, I'm quite a religious person. So my whole religious perspective was completely different. Like I was so angry. I was like, why is this happening to me? Um, I've done nothing wrong in my life. I've done everything. Like I've not, I'm not perfect, but I've like tried to live a very good life. And so yeah, I was very angry and confused and eventually like when I had my surgery I started well I, I put all my energy into my studies mm. and then um when my operation dates came like my surgery dates came and you know more consultations with doctors I kind of like like went more into the like information and I googled information about MRK and that's how I came on like all the Instagram pages and mm-hmm. I was like back then and then but just before my surgery I said okay I'm ready to make an MRK like page for myself like you know I'm ready to share my story and then my surgery came along and then after I had my surgery I was not there I was not in the right mindset I deleted my Instagram page and I said I'm not ready to do this how can I like share my story when I haven't come to terms with it mm-hmm. how can I share and help other people when I haven't helped myself and that is that is it was a big shock to me as it like as a young person my love life was complete as a complete wreck like I my my relationship ended when I found when um I found out I had MRK so yeah it, it was a wreck like I was like I'm like I'm not loved by like a relationship wise and how am I gonna how's anyone gonna ever like accept me for who I am and so I had to work through all of that. It was very difficult, but with the right support system, I mean, my family was my rock at that time. Mm-hmm. And I had very close friends who understood how, what I was feeling. Like I would be studying and at days I just didn't want to get out of bed. I was like, I can't do this. Like, it's not fair. And I think for me, it was more the fertility, like the, the mm-hmm. pregnancy part of it. Like, it sounds so stupid to say, but not being able to pee on a stick. Like, it's something that is so simple that yeah. is like that you look forward to when you when you're a younger person and you're not being able to do that you know just my and then my dad jokes 
we yeah. can we can pee on a stick I did um what are they the fertility ovulation tests yes you can do pe- that and it was the first, yeah so when I peed on that stick I was like this is the best stick peeing experience I've ever had because I got I a little I, yeah I got a little smiley face to say I was ovulating because I did it for 30 days so genuinely it made me feel like really comforted just around things working so anyway that was just my little two pence on peeing on a stick <laughs> Like my dad, my dad says to me, you know, because my dad has such dry humor, but we love him so much. Oh. He says to me, when I said to my mom, like, I'm just so upset that I can't pee on the stick. He's like, of course you can pee on the stick. It's just going to come out negative. Like, you can still do it if you pee have the need to do it. I'm like, oh, gee, thanks, dad. But like, yeah, it was so funny. Um, Shame. Like, they really, like, we make jokes about, like, my MRK syndrome. That. Like, and I just, I just love how my family and my friends like brought me out of it. If it wasn't mm. for them, I mean, now even, obviously, then my my boyfriend came along who you just met. Yeah, so yeah, he he is, yeah, he is now like he literally he is the reason why I made the MRK South African page. He was the one that said, "You've been talking about it now for like months while we were dating, and like just do it, do what you need to do." And and he was like, "You are ready for this, you." you know you want to do this and he literally just he just said to me come 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 like put your studies on focus on your studies but focus on this as well and the late nights the 2 a.m while I was sitting on Canva busy editing Canva. deciding what I want to do thank goodness <laughs> yeah. for Canva um so yeah he is now here my, here my family are pretty much the people that have been keeping me going um Love throughout that. this whole thing yeah it's so, so it's been good. tough not yeah, easy. I, was, I, was, I was about to say like thank you for actually saying how tough it was because a lot of the time even my even me now and if someone says oh how was it I forget to like highlight how shit MRKH is when you're first diagnosed and just then you just said it was really awful and I feel like we need more of that honesty and like just us mm-hmm. being really vulnerable because we all went through and are maybe still going through really hard times and I think to just say and raise awareness of the fact that it is really really hard and the first like few years and ongoing like is so important so yeah mm-hmm. thank you for being so vulnerable and just <laughs> saying it how it is um my dad is also a bit of a joker he called us he, he said something like you should call your page the wombles because it looks like wombless <laughs> the wombles I know <laughs> oh, the wombles. oh wow imagine imagine yeah. that <laughs> And that's his, that's his dry humour. <laughs> um, I, I just wanted to ask you, because you mentioned about starting MRKH, and I know that it's been like probably a whirlwind of a journey for you going from kind of dealing with MRKH to being an advocate, and that that step is huge. So how, how are you feeling now? You're in the kind of world of advocacy. Has that also helped you just being part of this community of kind of helping others as well? It really, really has. Like, in the beginning, I was so scared. Like, I was like, because I'm like, I made... I made the MRK South African page. So I was like, okay, this is representing like a whole country. <laughs> so I was like, I'm getting in like in over my head here. This is this is but then I just kept going and the amount of responses that I got from international like groups it was amazing. Like I mean yours yours was like mine over MRK H, MRK H Connect, MRK H Global or Global MRK H. Um, you know what I mean? Beautiful you just the amount of response and feedback and sharing I got from Instagram and you know it it gave me like this little bit of hope and the more I spoke to people who are out of who are not like who are not here and listening to other people's perspectives and it just it's kind of like it opens your eyes to like this whole community that you didn't know was really there like you don't feel as alone Mm. Um, and you feel like you can connect so easily, like so much easily. Like, I mean, I can just send Ali a message, like, I'm having such a shit day, like, this is what happened. And it would be like, obviously, MRK related, and she'd be like, oh, no, right, let's video call, or let's just have a quick oh. chat about it, which is which is so great to me. Like, it's just such an, it's an welcoming experience. Um, and yeah, I mean, MRK South Africa just started, I mean, we started in August, and we've already, like, I think we've already like, kind of made a little bit of a difference out there. And I think that's a good Huge thing. Difference. Um, yeah. And I'm just hoping, I mean, now look, we actually have proper zoom calls with our group of South African ladies and, you know, we get to know each other and everyone in there is such a welcoming, like they all have such a welcoming presence around them. And it's so nice to me. And they're all so open and honest and oh, they just make my heart so happy. So I was just so happy that makes my to be able happy. to, <laughs> yeah, to just be able to take them, and just to like share my story with them and to just let them know like the little bit of amount of people that we are in South Africa that we you know that we are a group and we are a community and 
you know, I think to me, I just want to raise awareness. Like I want, I don't want doctors. I don't want the girls to sit in emergency rooms in this country. And they're like, you're lying. Something like that doesn't exist. I don't want that. I want, I want people to know what it is and that something mm-hmm. like this does happen. And for your child to be able to like, for your, for as a parent to be like, okay, this might be something why she, this might be the reason why she hasn't started her period yet. Like, mm. you know, I don't want it to be such a huge shock that it was to my parents. And I just like, I mean, when my mom, my mom said to me, she always thinking back, she's like, this is, this, it, it feels like it's my fault. Mm. And the more girls I deal with in this MRK age community, they say to me, I always sit there and I think, like my parents my mom blames herself during her pregnancy and she's like this is it's my fault that that you have MRK mm-hmm. and it's obviously not their fault and to me that's just saddening like I want I want parents as well to just know that listen it's all the the mother obviously I want the moms to know it's not it's not your fault it doesn't fault, it's not yeah. you you didn't do anything wrong in your pregnancy that that causes MRK obviously I don't know the medical history like I'm not a doctor but you know like as far as my understanding goes with it it's not it's not it's not the pregnancy's fault it's not your mom's fault exactly yeah so yeah that is like dealing with questions like that in this MRK South African group and just like in general it's it's eye-opening really in so in the group the the people that you've met Henry do you feel like they've had similar so you've obviously got to know them became friends which is so amazing that you've built like a community where you are do you feel like they've had similar journeys to you where they've been kind of fobbed off or do you feel like they there's been any change in time over the since you were diagnosed do you feel like now maybe there's better support in the medical world since the guy I know you said a gynecologist learned about what it was from you um has that changed have you, have you got any younger newly diagnosed people in your group at the moment or Yes, we actually have a lady um, in our group who's going for her MRI scans now just oh. to confirm that she has it. And she was like, she phoned me first and she's like, listen, like, this is what's happening. I have, it's actually tomorrow. Her MRI scan is actually tomorrow. So yeah, she, I mean, yeah, a lot of young girls. So one girl, um, she's literally in, like, she went to the same doctor, had her mm-hmm. surgery at the same doctor that I'd had mine. So we really bonded. Like, she and I are very close. And oh. it just shows, like, she would phone me at 4 o'clock in the morning. It's like, I can't do this. Like, dilating is difficult. Dilating is shit. Dilating is this. And how well, it's like, pregnancy. I can't deal with this. And it's amazing to see how strong she's gone. Like, from from being so scared. We were actually speaking about this in the group. Um, mm-hmm. She was saying, being from so scared to actually doing her surgery to having her surgery, to doing dilation and to where she's now. And that's in like the span of, I would say four months, oh, that wow. like four or five months. And that is, it just shows. That's the like impact you're having. <laughs> I know, like sometimes I'm like, I just, I just, I just want to hug all of them. Like, I just feel like, you know, it's okay. Like, I'm here, like, you know, you got this. And it's just, I, and I said to, I said to Charlie this morning, I actually spoke to her and I said to her, like, I just, I wish I could just give all of this positivity and just dump it on everyone like just be like listen it's gonna be okay and just give them that this kind of like you know um what do you call it um like this peace of mind I would yeah. say yeah. just know that listen MRKH doesn't define you it makes you such a strong person mm. it's it's part of who you are and you should embrace it rather than you know like obviously it's going to bring you down mm. MRKH brings you down you go through all of these stages even I go through all of these stages and and it's okay, but it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make, it doesn't, I don't base my life decisions fully on my MRKH diagnosis. So I, I don't know if that makes sense. Like I just, it does, I, yeah, I just I'm just smiling. Idea, but I want to say. <laughs> a really nice quote. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it doesn't, it, like there was, I think I wrote or uh, read something that said it doesn't control you and don't let it consume you, but yeah. it can kind of feel consuming if that makes sense. I think a lot of the time mm-hmm. I, try not let it control my like you said I try not let it control things in my life but it, it can feel controlling so it's just pushing it to, pushing it down to kind of you can you control MRKH it doesn't control you maybe that's control what I'm trying to say <laughs> yes I love that and my mom always said to me sorry I bring my mom up so much just because she's been like Shout my out to Anne-Rue's mom. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, she said to me the way to deal with your diet, like obviously she does not have this, but she's just always been so honest. She's a very open and honest person. And she said to me, you deal with that when you get to that part of your life. Mm. Like you deal with your surgery. It's in, it's in front of you. You deal with that. You deal with pregnancy and infertility when you are ready to have children or when you, when you start talking about that to your husband and, you know, so that you, you, you kind of need to break, like, that's how I did it. You break it up in your, in your little sections and mm-hmm. you deal with dilation when that is what, when that is what you need to do right now. You deal with fertility and, you know, your options when you get to that part of your life, you deal with menopause and your hormones and all of those things when you get to that part of your life. So having that kind of mentality mm-hmm. for me has helped me so much like learning to, to be like okay I'm dealing with this, this now this is dilation area right now not you know not not fertility although I do jump into the fertility part of it quite often just because you know it's a natural thing it's a natural thing to be able or not to be able but you know it's a natural thing to say listen I want to become pregnant like and you're allowed to cry over it you're allowed to say why this has happened to me why can't I become pregnant why does I mean you look at your your sisters starting her family and you know talking about children and you're like like I'm so happy for you but I'm so sad for me and you just have to that's the quote that's the quote I'm happy for me sad other way around happy for you sad for me But yeah, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, I just, I give it to them. Like, I'm so happy. And I don't ever want, I don't ever want people who don't ever want people not to spread that joy with me. I want them to be like, I'm pregnant and I want to be happy for them. Like, I, and I'm genuinely happy for them, but I'm also sad for me on the inside, but I'll always be their biggest, biggest cheerleader. Mm. And that's how I see it. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's a very different, like, I, I, I think I had to make a very big menta- mental like change mm. when it came to being diagnosed in 2018 and where I am now but I wouldn't have gone gotten there with the help without the help of my boyfriend and without the help of my family you know so it's it's a bigger support system and yeah I wish I could be that support system for everyone you <laughs> so are. We're hopefully think, getting there <laughs> oh, well, that's the thing I think when you create like you have and, in, and I know you said it's uh, for South Africa but actually all of the pages that everyone's got within different countries are having a global impact because Instagram is somewhere that anyone can look at. Everyone can search your posts and and just see everything that you're posting. And even I, who have got Instagram pages, I still seek comfort and help in other people's pages because it makes me feel less alone mm. doing that. On mm. that point, how, how did you feel um, sort of telling your story publicly? How does that kind of make you feel? Is that something that you're still on a journey with or is it something that you're yeah (laughs) yeah this is the first time that I've actually spoken about my own journey like I haven't posted like I I haven't obviously close family and friends know my like know my MRK situation I just haven't like a lot of people say you don't need to open up like I would I'm just putting that in quotes like you don't need to open up to the whole world about your own journey and it's a lot it's, a, it's one thing that I've been battling with a lot because on the one end I'm like I really want to just you know I want to use my story to raise awareness and then the other time I'm like I just shouldn't have to use my own story to raise awareness there's other ways that you can do that so like my mind was always like in a battle between my my mind and my heart where I'm like I just want to I want to like be open and honest about it but then I'm also like I'm so like I don't see the need to I don't know if that makes sense like I just no, I does, does. I want to but I also don't want to like a lot of people mm. like, like I you know like like for instance I'm going to use you know Charlie and Lauren mm. like the way she came out about her story I was just overwhelmed and the thing is I, I followed them like long long before I knew she had MRK oh. so and I got diagnosed just before she came out with her story and they're like my favorite travel couple and it was just so nice to see like this and how their relationship was as a couple yeah. and then adding her MRK journey to that it opened like a whole to me it opened my eyes to say like this and that like their love was what I was looking for and when she like obviously when she came out with the story I was so shocked and yeah it's just it's very 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 different yeah um, I, I haven't like this is the first time I'm actually so open and honest mm. um and it goes public you know what I mean like I mean you're obviously the podcast and it's it's public so I was very nervous to do this but then I said to myself yeah. you know what I actually am willing and I'm excited 
to be able to do it this way rather than you know rather than just make like make a post and you know so it's much easier it's easier for me to be able to talk to someone like this and then yeah, open there's conversation so much pressure. there's so much pressure yeah. around like no I've, everything you said makes total sense because I feel like yeah. there's so much pressure what am I trying to say around creating that perfect Instagram post when you're first like coming out to the world and I've been through mm. it where I've sort of gone oh do I say this do I talk about my vagina do I not and now no, I'm sort of like point. yeah and it's so and it is it's so true because I feel like now I, I focus less on talking about my journey and more on just trying to speak to other people and I think I've got to that point now where I think that's like you said it's just it's just nice to hear other stories but I did I did do the whole coming out process online and mm. it does just feel so there, there's just too much pressure and you're trying to say it in a different way every time I just think yeah you're, I just think you're incredible because there's I've always always advocated for the fact that you don't have to be public to be an advocate and mm. just because I made an assumption based on you having a social media page that you were public or like had told your story online but I just think it's such a nice message to see like how much you've done and the huge impact that you've made without needing to kind of go on about your own story not that people shouldn't but yeah I just think it's amazing yeah. so. <laughs> thank you but yeah, I just I just like I said I just I will get there I think eventually I was always the reason like, one no of the rush. main reasons yeah there's no rush I mean I keep watching like oh yeah I've been living with MRK since I was like 18 I mean my, my age keeps going down but I like I think it was 20, yeah, it was, it's been three, four years now, so I was, oh, I'm, it was 20, I'm turning 24 this year, now I'm getting old. <laughs> Don't oh, say that, I'm turning 30. Just joking, <laughs> <laughs> just joking. Um, it was just a big shock to me, but yeah, so it's been four years, and I've, you know what, I've just, I said I would rather help other people mm. than, you know, like, I don't need, and I don't know, there's a, like, I don't know, someone said to me the other day, they were like, why? why haven't you shown your face on your South African page? Why haven't you like said, listen, Anwila Biskachni is like doing the MRK South African page. And I just said, because I'm not the only one with MRK. I'm not the mm. only person that has MRK. I mean, I'm not, I'm here to help people and to, and helping them helps me. I think that that's a big thing for me. Helping other people helps me. And that is why, that is why I did it. I just don't feel the need to, like there's nothing against like saying who's the member, like who's the head of a founder or, you know, who's in charge of their what of their what's the group of the MRKH groups. It's yeah. perfectly fine. And I and I take my hat off. I wish I had that kind of bravery at times. But then I'm like, no, like to me, I just I think my perspective on it was a bit different than what other people should be on it. And like, yeah, I, th- I mean, yeah, I just I was always so scared. People were like, Oh, she was born without a vagina. Like that would be so. Like oh, I was scared of the judgment. Scary. Scary. Yeah, I was scared of being of yeah. the judgment in the beginning, and then it became more of you know I don't I don't need to tell my story to help others. You know I don't need to like you said I don't need to tell my story to be an advocate, and that is that is what that is. I love that. Like I just just never really needed to tell my story. I have it on my notepad. My whole story is there. Like I have it, yeah. but I just never had the need to post it. And I think maybe the right time for it will come eventually mm. or you will know when the right time for you to tell your story is like I just never had the need yet to mm. and I think and I hope like I always hoped that if I did I would be able to have more you know more people would be like more people would know about it mm. but then also I'm like I'm just so scared of the judgment and then I'm like I don't need that judgment like I can just do it without telling my story so it's always been like the you know, it's been the one against the other, which is regardless, <laughs> yeah, regardless of the fact that you haven't, I think my assumption came from the fact that I know you, I've messaged you all the time, I know your name, and you just kind of <laughs> assume, don't you? But actually, I'm just very much in awe of the fact that you have made such an impact and and like you said, but so like in such a humble way. I think yeah like you said everyone's on their own different path and I was probably I was anonymous actually for two years so similar to you (laughs) so I was your age I was 22 23 and for two years I just did like an anonymous page and I just did Mm -hmm. loads of Instagram messages and similar to you that's what gave me the Mm -hmm. the real like drive and passion to want to help other people and yeah Mm -hmm. you're just doing an amazing job because just remember that even though you're not public a lot of people do start out anonymously and actually you're making such an impact. You're the one leading South Africa, leading Zooms, like 
supporting people, <laughs> changing MRKH in South Africa. So I thought, yeah, it's commendable someone that's gone public in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. But yeah, like I said, I think it's different for everyone. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's insane. Like it's insane how far I've actually come and being so like the doing this. Ask me two years ago, I would never have been able to do a podcast. I would laugh me at you. Me too. Like, oh, try someone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You see, it's just, it's growth. I think growth is so beautiful. Like, I, I love it. I love that we are, like, like we can do this. That mm-hmm. there's no judgment. And you feel so safe. And that's what I love about the MRKH community internationally and locally, is that you feel so safe. Like, no one's going to judge you. No one is going to be like, um, that's your experience. Like, whoa. You know what I mean? Like that is, mm-hmm. it's so nice not to be feel, not to feel judged. You can make, you can mess up and you'd be like, oh, but they were like, you know, it's okay. You know, just fix this or try to say it like this, try, you know, mm-hmm. and it's so nice to have such an honest group of women and ladies and, you know, just having an honest group of people who, you know, who's around you. It, it really, it helps you diagnose, it helps you deal with your own diagnosis. And it it's really- actually quite therapeutic to listen to other people's stories and, to just know that you've had that you've helped someone that day um so it helps me a lot I do have to say it really does it helps me a lot <laughs> just like little Instagram messages just and it just it can just change your day can't it if someone just goes oh thank mm-hmm. you for what you've done yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just mm-hmm. incredible so what's what's next Anri for MRKH South Africa have you got anything in the pipeline anything you're up to at the moment I know you've just started MRKH partners as well which we're going to talk to you well I'll talk to you and your partner in another podcast <laughs> yes I <laughs> know how's, how's it all going and what yeah what are your plans what do you want to do next so we have so far we have our website launching on Sunday Yay. so I'm super excited that I finally got everything done it just took two months you know it took two months and going to bed at like four o'clock in the morning no big deal no I'm joking um but yeah so we have that launching on Sunday which I'm super excited about um and next thing for South Africa is going to be hashtag worthy without a womb so the plan is to I just got the inspiration from the Afghan campaign that we did. Um, and then what, um, what was it? It was the, you know, the global MRKH campaign that we yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the Afghan campaign that we did. Yeah, so I kind of got, when, when, I, when, we were des- when I was designing those pictures yeah. um, for, the, for the campaign, I kind of just got this idea that the next thing I want to do is to include, obviously, the whole MRKH you know MRKH community yeah. where you take a photo and you say like I'm worthy without a womb or you know like say something with your MRKH diagnosis that. and then you take a photo and you post it and the hashtag is obviously hashtag worthy without a womb and say where you can say like my womb doesn't like not having a uterus doesn't define who I am so I'm hoping that's that's a, that's the next plan after this after the website is being launched I'm hoping this is going to be the next thing for us um just to be able to show that listen like we may be one one in five thousand people but we still matter and our diagnosis like I said our diagnosis doesn't define who we are so I'm hoping it's going to be a success we will see it when will. we get there Yes, so we'll see when we get there with that. So I'm super excited for that. I'll it's definitely actually be getting involved. <laughs> oh, please do. I would love it. I would love it if everyone could be involved. Um, so yeah, that is the next thing that we want to do. But yeah, we will see how that goes. And then our main, like the the main aim for MRK South Africa is, mm. you know, to to turn it into a nonprofit organization. Obviously, there's a lot that needs to go with us making it into a nonprofit organization. Our legal system needs to get involved too. You know, it's a lot of contracts and Can you I know the government. Henry, who's on yes. te- who's on your team, South Africa? Are you kind of solely for now? It's, no, no, no. It's it's so for me. For me, I'm like I'm managing it. Bad yeah. new. My boyfriend is currently helping me with that. So oh, we just kind of said he's I'm founder. He's co-founder for now. So like you know, we're just doing that. And then we do have um we're waiting for a few doctors to get involved as well so we do want like we do want the proper structure for to make it into a nonprofit organization so amazing. obviously yeah we're still getting there so I'm still waiting you know a lot of meetings are coming up with doctors and trying to just see how we can you know make it work mm. um 
mature so it's for now it's just us and then we do have people running our facebook like we just got the, um, a new person to run our facebook group for us she's also a South African, very be- very very beautiful person like she's just oh she's such a sweetheart um but yeah so she's gonna run mrk she's gonna run the facebook page when we get there um and then yeah we have counselors um we do have our South african counselors it's um, our cow space and they run, like if anyone in South Africa needs that, there's people that can do that for them. So yeah, that's kind of who we have at the moment. Um, I think we're still no, gonna, like we have to start small, we have to start somewhere mm. and hopefully we will get there, like get the proper structure and be able to turn it into a nonprofit organization. I think the main aim at the end of the day would be to be able to like use the, the profits that we can that we get from our um website to be able to pay for 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 ladies their women's surgeries mm-hmm. um pay for dilators and like pay for like if they need mental health like mental support yeah. and i think that is to me that's a very important role and it's going to play a very important part in the website and in the mrk South african group because i mean you know, South Africa is not a very rich country mm. and it is important for me um, to like to help. Like I just want yeah. to, if you are diagnosed with MRKH, I don't, it's already such a big emotional thing that you shouldn't have to worry about like but going for a consultation with a doctor or gynecologist or being like, it, money shouldn't be the biggest thing that you deal with when you have MRKH. I don't think that's right. Exactly. I don't think that is a very fair thing. Um, well, so yeah, that, that is our goal. Yeah, yeah. it's so incredible. I was just going to ask quickly about the sort of legalities in South Africa. So when you, I know you were diagnosed, just rewinding a bit actually to like your diagnosis, <laughs> yeah. do, you, do they give out dilators or is it a case of um, you buying your own? And also I just wanted to ask about surgery. Was it was it a case of very much pro-surgery they they said that was what you should go for or was it an option or did they offer dilating on its own as an option um because I'm just so interested in how every single country around the globe has got a very different take or um take kind of opinion yeah like an opinion on what we should do mm. and they kind of push push things on people or say you have to do this or you have to do this or if you don't have a surgery mm. you're not going to be able to have sex even though sex is not just penetrative so yeah how was that kind mm. of how was that in so to me um obviously I didn't know a lot about like I didn't know what dilation was Mm. before I had my surgery so my doctors didn't like I was diagnosed and he said like obviously you have no like vaginal wall no nothing um so vaginal canal Mm. but no you know what I mean so yeah, obviously I had nothing like that. So he automatically was like, okay, here's a specialist number. Um, you can go see him next week. And then he will tell you when your surgery date is. Mm. So to me, it was so much to like process that, yeah, okay, so well, I don't have this, but now I need to like just go for a surgery. And so then I went to go see him. The, I think it was like a week after, a week after I was diagnosed, um, I went to see the specialist and he's like, yeah, we can do your operation. He explained to me how like the surgery works. And then he only explained to me the dilating part, like while he was explaining to me the surgery part. So while you're still like learning to live with, like learning about your own syndrome, they're already talking about like surgeries and surgeries and you know what you're going to need to know. I was very confused. And then I, they phoned me and then thank goodness the doctor phoned me. He's like, he's, he, he double booked himself for my, for my procedure. So they're going to move my procedure to December. And I was like, this was, this is all happening in like um, March. Mm. So yeah, then I was already like all of this, like I was going to have my surgery in um, April. No, in June. Sorry, sorry. sorry it was June. Mm. I was, it was May, June. Sorry, May, June. So yeah, I was doing all of this stuff in May. And then they were like, in June, when your holiday is coming up from university, we'll do your surgery. And then he double booked me. And then he said, okay, no, we'll do it in December. Mm. And I'm so glad that he did because then I actually only, I had the time to actually process what was happening. I had the time to actually say, okay, well, like, um, look, I have MRKH and this is what they need to do. I had enough time to deal with like the, um, like what dilation was and how it works. And so I, I literally worked myself through it. But yeah, for me personally, obviously with, I have type two. So 
um, they really mm-hmm. pushed surgery on on me. Um, obviously, it's your own choice, but I, I didn't know anything out of the surgery part um, when I was diagnosed. I didn't know that there was type one or type two. Like you, you do all this research, but all this medical stuff just comes in. Like comes, mm. sorry, it just comes in, and you're like, it's just you know, you you, know, you read over it. Like to me, I just I, I don't know. I didn't. I can't really like remember like, mm. how I was feeling. All I know is that dilation, like dilators, are not free. You do have to buy them um after your surgery so they do give you like a list of like they give you like obviously uh, there's so many specialists well not so many but there's every specialist does their thing different like they do yeah. different things now just knew this one doctor you know I just knew him as a specialist and he was going to fix me mm-hmm. and then um yeah so dilators uh well we had to pay for our dilators obviously and they would just give you the list. And I was struggling with that. I remember I was still struggling. They just give you, they give you a piece of paper and be like, phone this number um, to get your dilators or whatever. And then I phoned them. And like to me, I'm a very OCD person. So I need everything to be organized. Um, and then, yeah, that, that it was just too confusing. It was just too much. And then my parents obviously helped me. They looked on other websites um, in South Africa that can that do dilators and stuff. So I just all, I ordered my own dilators. And then, um, yeah, I started dilating like that and had to, there was a lot of problems with dilation. Like I had a lot, a lot of problems um, with my dilation process. Um, I mean, I literally had to go to a new gynecologist that was closer to to my university um, for him to be like, okay, this is what you actually need to do. Because they, you don't get taught that. Like you don't That's get taught. That's what I was going to ask. You didn't really get yeah. shown. You got, you go and buy them, but we're not going to tell you how to use them. So you need to look yeah, into Yeah, you go and buy those. them. Yeah. Yeah, you go and buy them when you're already out of surgery, like mm. when you're already at home, you know, recovering. That is, and I was, and like I said, to me, I had to, I had to really learn how to use all of those things and how to. Mm. Yeah, it is very difficult. That should light, really, really the, yeah, that dilators should be part of the. If you're having surgery, they should be giving dilators as a re- part of the recovery. I'm just yeah I'm, I'm quite shocked by it because I think in the U, in the UK I know it's I know it's very different and I know that we've come from different advice and different people and different mm. specialists um but here it's very kind of pro dilate dilation without surgery so it's go and take dilators home they give you dilators you go home with them you kind of not the same for everyone but it's just kind of my own experience mm. and you go home dilate but they don't ever really mention surgery and they don't really say you need it and I think obviously every body is different and every physical body is different as well so some of us might have our vagina might be too underdeveloped just to do dilating in the first place but I think Mm -hmm. about yeah like mine was yeah yeah so and and I I think mine was probably about a fingernail's length but it's just to be yeah just to be really open and honest (laughs) yeah well I mean it's good like now if people are listening this they'll just be like a kid I'm me me too like me too I'm also in this situation so like uh, yeah it is different for each and every person and I have to say I have a lot of respect for my current gynecologist the um the gynecologist that's close to my university he I mean it's been three years now and he's worked with me I mean I had he dial like he they put me under anesthetic because I just could not get on with the dilation I could not I just couldn't I just couldn't deal with it like I just I just struggled so much then they put me under anesthetic and then he dilated for me and then he just like put the biggest one in while I was under he put the biggest one in and then when I woke up he said look you can actually put the biggest one in Mm. you just need to relax because once what the moment he even said to me the moment that you relaxed was the moment that it all happened so naturally Mm. and obviously I had to like there was a lot of like I had to deal with a lot of like that just in itself was very hectic and it was very different for me like I just had to deal with it and the pain that came with it like dilation is painful like people Mm. don't talk about it like don't talk enough about it I feel like dilation should be spoken about more because about like the topic should be spoken about you know a lot more because it's a painful and emotional like thing that we have to go through and I think people forget that I think that every time and I know this is going to sound very bad but when I was dilating in the beginning, I was like, mm-hmm. it feels like I'm literally, you know, like, <laughs> just to be honest, like, I feel like I was raping myself. So I don't mm-hmm. even know if I'm allowed to say that on like a podcast, but Absolutely you know fine. what I'm saying? It's your honest truth. 
and yeah like, like that is how it felt to me I would phone mm-hmm. my mom right after like those 30 minutes it felt like four hours for me I would phone her and I'd be like in tears and be like I can't do this like this is not something that I can do mm-hmm. and um it's kind of what I was having to deal with so it wasn't always easy and then mm-hmm. eventually like you, you know you learn to you learn to deal with it and I used a lot of other coping mechanisms that my doctor gave me and he said to me and he literally he he every six months I have to go to him and he will check my progress and he'll make sure that I'm like I'm physically I'm in a good place and mentally mm. and I respect that a lot about him because yeah he I'm also his only MRKH patient so to him it was also a learning curve I mean the first time I walked into his office I said to him listen this is all I have this is the surgery mm. I had this is and he said to me can you maybe come back like in a week come back in a mm. week and so I can go do my research on what MRKH is and then I will deal with this with you and I had so much respect for him like even though he didn't know what MRKH was like he knew but he didn't know you know what I mean so like they do get probably like I don't know the medical system but they do probably get educated on it they just don't deal with it a lot yeah, so they, exactly. it's not something that they yeah so he said to me come back come back and we can discuss this and I can actually help you and then he said to me every six months you're coming you're doing this you're doing this you're doing blood tests you just take everything and it was so nice for me to have a bit of safety with him and for him to just be like, he treats you so well. He treats you very professionally and he literally cares about everything that you say. And yeah, I mean, like now, like now I had, they, so my surgery, they had, they said, they said to me, my stitches will be like, will be dissolvable. Dissolvable Mm. stitches, dissolvable stitches. I was like, okay, cool. And then three years come and he says to me, no, your stitches are still in. Like this was now, this was in last year, November. No, last year in the beginning of the year, I saw him after my six months. I saw him, he's like, okay, give it another six months, come back in November or, you know, it was June, whenever it was. Um, And so I went back in November and he said to me, the stitches still aren't gone. Like with dilation, with having stitches inside while dilating was also very painful. Like it's Mm. a very painful experience. And then, yeah, he said to me, um, and also Bartholonian cysts and everything those things were kind of what I was dealing with as well and he said to me okay you have a Bartholonian cyst I keep saying it wrong I think it's Bartholonian cyst Bartholonian cyst or whatever Bartholonian yeah. yeah you look at me you know it's definitely not a doctor but yeah so I have <laughs> like I, have, no, I dealt with that um and then he said to me okay well your stitches still aren't out and we have to remove this boss Bartholenses and so yeah last year December just after I finished university I went in and when I woke up he literally said to me he's like you actually had staples inside like there was no dissolvable stitches it was staples that were never (gasps) taken out no so I was like my my vagina just twinged a little bit there (laughs) (laughs) it's like literal staples of what they used and I was like I'm like me you know just wondering like is is it ever going to dissolve you know taking the bath doing what Mm. I need to do like I mean my my hygiene like hygiene is a very important thing for me Mm. and I just couldn't understand like why I was always bleeding while I was dilating because like my even my doctor's like you're not supposed to always bleed like you know the beginning yes but the more you do it the less you know the less all of that stuff Mm. happens and as it heals it should just be yeah I just could never understand yeah, and then he took the he he took staples out, and I was quite shocked. I was like, it's just like it was just a very shocking experience for me. I was like, no wonder, like I've been in pain for like three years, and this is the reason why. Like we all just thought it was dissolvable stitches. I mean, even he thought it was dissolvable stitches until he actually took them out. So who did so, yeah, the surgery? Was... was it not not his team? Was someone else? Was it? Pardon? Who who did the surgery for you? Was it? Oh, there was not... just, it was just a specialist. Yeah, oh, the, right, the okay. surgery was done by a specialist in um in like another area like another province and then yeah my gynecologist at home which close to university did all of the the rest like but he they didn't tell you the specialist didn't tell you there were staples inside you no he didn't say anything he just said all oh, everything will dissolve you should give it like three years and everything will dissolve and it'll be all good so I said okay cool like mm. so yeah it was a bit of a shock but I mean look like I have yeah, to say specialist he's a very yeah he was a very 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 good professional like mm. he had a very professional side to him 
Um, but I was quite shocked about that part. Like I was mm. a bit like, oh, even my parents are like, and I mean, they're sitting in another country and I'm going through all of this. And my mom's just like, she's just shaking her head. She's like, oh, hectic. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, I just, I mean, like I said, like life throws you all of these things and you just kind of learn to deal with it. And you're like, okay, next thing. Okay, I've done this now. Staples, gone out. Let's staples are gone. Goodbye. Good riddance. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, like I do have to say, I'm very happy about all of that. Like I'm, I'm happy all of that is like out now. So yeah, it's, it's just quite a like a journey for me. My word, like the thinking back to everything, I'm like, sure. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. There's so, so much stuff that happens. Um, so, Anri, what would your? I'm just going to go on to like the, your messages to people being diagnosed, if that's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, what would your message be to the next person with MRKH being diagnosed anywhere in the world? <laughs> I would tell them that you know what, you're stronger. Like I said, you are stronger than your diagnosis. You are stronger than what. Like I always, I always say that um, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be given this, this burden, or you wouldn't be given this huge thing if you couldn't deal with it, if you couldn't have handled it. And that's where my religion also comes in big part. Like I always say, like God gives His strongest battles to um, His strongest warriors, and that is how I, that is how I see it. Like it doesn't, an MRKH does not define you. It really just makes you stronger. And you know. That's how I see it. I if I have I if someone came to me and said, Listen, I was just diagnosed with MRK, it's like you've got this. Like, do not give up. It it gets easier, you get stronger and you learn how to deal with it. And there's so many people in your corner, like you have so many women rooting for you that you do not need to worry, you are covered. And that is what I would say to them. <laughs> oh, I love that really thank you so much thank you so much how have you found it coming on and talking about your story because I've just learned it's not something you've done much of before so how has it felt it's just on the beginning but then yeah you know she's like I talk a lot so I talk so much but yeah so I just it was quite cool I really enjoyed it like I really enjoy doing this I think I, I actually enjoy this podcast business um but yeah it's quite interesting I really love it <laughs> oh well Anri so lovely to speak to you I'm gonna <laughs> take care Anri is there anything else you wanted to say to anyone else listening today mm, just you go girl and I always say I always yeah. say no matter what like in my cage with like with when it comes to relationships as well I always say just remember you're a queen and if someone doesn't accept you the way that you are then they're not then they're not needed in your life that's, what that's my favorite quote if they don't accept you they don't need you they're not worthy they of need, you basically yes I oh, love, I love that, that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Adri cool. take care I'll see thank you soon you for having me thank you so much for listening to the mind over mrkh podcast we will have regular new episodes so please follow and subscribe if you want to come for a chat get in touch and to everyone with mrkh you are not alone